Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is Life Links with the DL Link. Life Links is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, welcome, welcome to the show, the DL Link show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination here on 101.9 High FM. And if you're in Joburg, I'm sure you will agree what a beautiful winter's morning it has been. That's part of the beauty of living in Joey's, these beautiful clear blue sky, and you know, you get to enjoy the sun on your back. Ah, oh, it's very special. But of course, we know another cold front is on its way. I mean, look at the Cape. And uh, so we wait and we brace ourselves. But I tell you what, tomorrow being Youth Day and a public holiday, this afternoon you can prepare, really take advantage of this slightly warmer weather and go along to Rock for Life. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about it. The DL Link has been chosen to be the beneficiaries of this live Youth Day concert. Um, it's happening from 4.30 this afternoon, and it is at Great Park, and so that is 75 Fourth Street, Houghton Estate. You all know Great Park. It's going to be fabulous, fabulous. So there's this, um, Michaeli Sachs is going to be there, and Shmuley Brill, and Yinon Felkson, and DJ Dubois. So, as I said, you know, enjoy the slightly warmer weather. Tomorrow is Youth Day. The cold weather's coming, so enjoy it while you can. Bring your family, bring your friends, rock out to this fantastic initiative and the funds raised will be going to the deal link um, and it's to bring an awareness to the deal link and the incredible work that they do. So just once again, that is 4.30 this afternoon. You can get the tickets um, via Quicket or you can get the tickets there at the door. So that is Great Park 75 4th Street, Houghton Estate. Fabulous, fabulous, and gets you in the mood for Youth Day tomorrow. So we've got such a fantastic show lined up for you. Um, and I'm going to start off by asking the question, what is stuck? When I say, are you stuck, what does that mean? So besides the real physical part of being stuck, so let's look at the physiological or, yeah, there is a physical part of it when you're aching and you're not looking the way you want to or you're not eating the way you want to or you're stuck in thoughts and you kind of procrastinating all the time, you can't move forward. Like, what does that, how, how would you unpack feeling stuck? And is it something that you have felt before? Is it something that you feel pretty regularly? How do you process this feeling of being stuck? Well, we're going to be answering these questions. I have two experts in the studio. I'm actually very excited to have been invited by these two experts to take part in a workshop to help people get unstuck. Um, and so we're going to be looking at it from all angles. I have Nikki Robertson, who's a clinical uh, nutritionist. She's an executive and wellness coach. Um, and uh, she's absolutely amazing with uh, reInvent Health and all of the work that she does. And then we have Vanessa Embriola, who's an advanced EFT tapping practitioner, an advanced neuro coach and accredited addiction recovery specialist. And so, as I said, all these different areas of of getting unstuck and, and bringing all these experts together. 
So I'm going to introduce our guests. Nikki, welcome. Vanessa, welcome. Great having you both on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. So I think the best way to to start off is by asking you the most basic question. I mean, I threw it out there. What is what is being stuck? So within your realm of expertise, Nikki and Vanessa, and I'll start off with you, Nick. What what does mm-hmm. being stuck look like in the area of nutrition and physical health? And yeah, how 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 do we move forward from that? But but first, what does that actually look like? So yeah, from my perspective. Most people get stuck looking for a diet. So if if you are not well, if you have pre-diabetes or heart disease or just want to lose weight, most people get stuck in a rut looking for the right diet. And there's so much out there, uh, it becomes incredibly confusing. So we get stuck in going on some kind of extreme diet, then losing weight, putting the weight back on, and it's a never-ending cycle and it's such a source of confusion and heartache for people mm. because you know eating is a or dieting let's say dieting is a short-term solution to a lifelong commitment and we don't think of it in terms of this is for life this isn't something I'm going to go on for a couple of weeks and then look for a maintenance program so the important way or the best way in my experience to become unstuck when we're looking at physical health is to reframe how we think about ourselves and how reframe how we think about food and what we're going to do in the workshop is throw everything everything out that you've ever known or thought you knew or believed in about food and diet and nutrition and start from scratch and usually when you've got a clear slate and you can toss those ideas those stuck ideas you can start new and with a fresh pair of eyes and it makes life so much easier it mm, sounds divine because of course relate because food i mean you've 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 touched on it food is not just about uh, giving our body nutrition so we can survive food is something that we do to um interact socially it's something that brings well certainly me much joy um and many people yeah. listening and there is this emotional attachment to food so sometimes we eat when we're happy sometimes we eat when we're sad sometimes we eat when we just yeah. want to numb out and we want to forget our problems so nikki mm-hmm. is that part of you you spoke about the diets and you spoke about reframing how we think about ourselves and re- Reframing how we think about food. How does one look at this very sometimes complicated relationship with food and reframe something like that? And, and is it something that can be done within a short period of time or is this in itself a lifelong journey? This can actually be done within the space of a couple of hours. The way we think about food. So what we've got to do is revisit where these belief systems came from. And very often it comes from childhood. We inherit belief systems from our parents. We uh, experiment with different ways of eating as teenagers. And these thoughts and patterns become hardwired in our brains until someone says to you, hey, think about it differently. And the brain is an amazing tool. You know, when you're given a new perspective, our, our neurology makes new connections. And there are always, there's always something we can relate to. And yes, food is pleasure. Food is symbolic. Food is ritual. Food is social. And somewhere along the line, we have made it the enemy. So we exercise to punish ourselves for eating what we think is badly. And changing that perception and that relationship can be done rather quickly. It does take practice. It does take constant rethinking and, and, and getting yourself into a different mind state. 
but the, 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 the switch is really, really quick because we've got to embrace what we eat. Our food is our cells. Our food is our organs. It becomes who we are. Mm -hmm. And when we start realizing that what we eat can either kill us or nurture us, it is really that, um, that profound. The, the, the neurological imprinting in the brain and the emotional sort of um, reward systems start to change. So we've got to change this on a neurological level. We've got to change it on an emotional level. And as we start making healthy changes on a physical level, we start feeling different reward systems working. But it is a fairly simple, quick, unsticking process that wow. is so profound when you when you get that aha moment. Wow, wow. And some of us think we have to stay the same way and live the same way for the rest mm. of our lives. And it's, it mm. really is so empowering to know that, you know, steps can be made. Um, we just have to be very conscious about the steps that we take and be very aware exactly. of, as you say, what we're thinking, what we're doing. So um, thanks so much, Nikki. I, I want to bring Pleasure. Vanessa. I'd, I'd love to bring you in now, Vanessa, um, being an advanced EFT tapping practitioner and advanced neuro coach and accredited addiction recovery specialist. So Nikki's just spoken about this rewiring of the brain and you know, I'm sure this is a lot of what you cover. How, in terms of being stuck, I asked Nikki that question, from your perspective, from where you're coming from with the EFT, and I know there's codependency that you're going to be talking about, what what does stuck mean within your realm? So, Nick, I'm going to start off with the mind states. And, you know, the mind states really dictate just about everything that goes on within us. And, it all ties up so much with what, you know, Nikki is saying. I have so much appreciation for her work because of the approach that she takes. And, you know, the reality is, um, you know, in, in one of the modules that I've done, it's, re it's referred to as the helpless, hopeless, helpless mind state, which is quite a severe, there's different degrees of it. That's quite a, a severe mind state to be in when you're literally stuck in a place and you don't know how to get out of it. You know, you can't see the wood for the trees. Um, and, and the more you try and see the wood for the trees and you can't, the more stuck you get. Mm -hmm. the, neuro, um, the neurochemistry around that is really not something that serves us in any way whatsoever. And I think it's important. There's a statement that I read many years ago that just for me is so, so, so profound. And that is what you don't change, you choose. So it all starts from a place of choice. And, you know, what I do in my neuro coaching is very much about hacking the neurochemistry, finding ways to get out of that hopeless, helpless mind state. Um, and very often, not very often, when you're in that hopeless, helpless mind state, the neurochemistry is negative. It's the adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, which is, of course, feeding back into the part of the brain that keeps us stuck. So conscious decisions happens in, you know, in our, in our minds and our conscious minds, the prefrontal cortex. So it's deciding to have to make the change. And, you know, some people might go, yes, but how, where do we start? And obviously that's where we come in. Um, and I'm always very reluctant to use the word expert, but I mean, people with much experience in, in the field, of course, and just taking the first step, uh, you know, as in the first step of recovery, pretty much, you know, surrendering to the fact that there is a problem and that something needs to change. So very mm. much awareness, becoming aware mm. and being open to the possibility that you can make 
the changes. Am I making sense? Absolutely. Vanessa, thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to come back. I want to unpack a little bit more um, this hopeless and helpless mind state um, and whether, um, like with Nikki, as Nikki said, within you know a short period of time, if you reframe these certain parts, how you see yourself, how you think about yourself and food, that can be the start of the rewiring. Is it the same when it comes to this hopeless and helpless mind state? A quick break. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the show. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Um, for those of you who have just tuned in for the first time, the DL Link is really an outstanding organization that was founded by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Artsiller in 2010. And they provide a nurturing safe space where patients who are faced with cancer and their families can turn to for all types of support. Um, yeah, so uh, we always have people in the community who support us. We're always reaching out and doing incredible stuff. And so I did mention that this afternoon, um, really preparing you for Youth Day tomorrow. There's a Youth Day concert. And whoever's taking part in this um, incredible concert being... Michaeli Sachs and Shmuley Brill and Yinon Falkson and Dr. DJ Dubois, they decided that um, the proceeds would go to the DL Link. Um, and that's amazing because that means the DL Link continues to do the work that they do in the community. So it's happening from 4.30 this afternoon. Tickets are 250 rand. You can get them via Quicket. And I'm thinking, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm almost positive you can buy tickets when you get there. And that is um, taking place at the Great Park Shore, that's 75 4th Street in Houghton. Um, we're having such an interesting discussion about being stuck and what does stuck mean, this physical part of being stuck in how we see our bodies, how we treat our bodies, the kind of food we eat or don't eat, um, and then the the psychological side, you know, what we're thinking, what we're believing, how we're wired, um, what our belief systems have constructed in our minds and affect the way we behave, and, and, and what is getting in our way of, of really being the best version of ourselves. So there's a workshop coming up on the 7th of July called uh, um, How to Get Unstuck. And um, I'm very excited to be a part of it. So I've invited two of the wonderful ladies who will be taking part in the workshop, Nikki Robertson and Vanessa Imbriolo, um, to talk about this idea, this concept, what it is to be stuck and, um, you know, how realistic is it to be able to yeah, to slowly peel away the layers that have been holding us in that, 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 you know, that, that grip of, of that sensation of not being able to move forward in whatever realm it is. So Vanessa, just before the break, you mentioned, um, this hopeless and helpless mind state. Um, and that it's this place where you just don't know how to get out of this stuck place. Is this something that takes time, um, Vanessa? I mean, when you're there, you may have been stuck in that place for a huge, maybe even a large part of your life where you've just feel, felt incapacitated and kind of paralyzed and, and not able to get up and go. What, what would you say, um, Vanessa? Is it, yeah, are, are these, are these big steps one has to take? Are they little steps? Is it, 
Is it possible to do it within a short period of time? Is this a life journey? So next, I think anything to do, I love to use the terms growth and recovery, um, you know, and this journey continues throughout our lives um, is, you know, it's obviously endless. I will tell you that I have seen crazy results in the work that I do. I think it's what drew me to the work in the first place. I'm very much a product of my work. Um, you know, I started as a patient and a client many, many, many years ago. Um, so it's really, really an individual thing. Next, you know, it depends on the, you know, the amount of trauma. What was the trauma? It depends how the person has or hasn't processed it. I've seen people come out of a stuck place in one session where, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm blown away at, at the work. Others, it's a process. I will say that when you engage the correct tools, it doesn't have to be months and months, let alone years and years. Um, I'm sure we can all relate to having seen clients that have been with mental wellness practitioners where honestly it's just been a safe space, a space, you know, that's been held for them to be able to unpack and vent, but no massive shifts. I believe when you have the right tools and the right approach and you know the two words that Nikki used that for me are just magical words is reframing and perspective those two words alone um you know falling into the practice of NLP neuro-linguistic programming change so much of the way we see and do things you know and another thing is knowledge is power so you know next for me it was so powerful doing my neuromodulation course and starting to really understand the the one passion I'd always had neurochemistry how does the brain actually work how do we fire because emotions are not tangible so you know when somebody's feeling something it's sometimes hard to you know almost express it because you can't touch it you can't you know show somebody what it looks like um it's not three-dimensional per se but when you start to study the brain and the chemistry thereof and you start to understand what is physically tangibly happening in the brain and you realize that in fact our thoughts have a massive degree of control of how our life plays out i think that in itself is a massive shift i know it was for me, because all of a sudden there was hope. There was, you know, a glimmer of of hope with this understanding. And really, knowledge is power. But again, next, you know, it's up to the individual. How far are they pre- prepared to push? Um, you know, and you know, how badly do you want it? Some people get a benefit out of being stuck, and that's you know, that's something we often challenge. Mm. I came across an interesting quote by. Um, old Mr. Tony Robbins, who said, often people talk about how they feel stuck in a situation. You're never stuck. You may be a little frustrated. You may not have clear answers, but you're not stuck. The minute you represent the situation to yourself as being stuck, though, that's exactly how you'll feel. We must be very careful about the metaphors we allow ourselves to use. Is that part of what you're talking about, Vanessa, with um, the reframing and your thoughts? Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of it, as I say, starting with the conscious mind, so the part of the brain, you know, called the prefrontal cortex is where our talk begins. And we have this wonderful part of the brain without getting too technical 
I mean, nobody has to remember this. There won't, there won't be a test at the end of this, I'm sure, um, <laughs> called the reticular activating system. And this is the filtering part of the brain. It's sort of what um, a lot of us refer to as the PA. You know, um, it's the part of the brain that decides who, who comes in and who doesn't. So when we're constantly telling ourselves that we are stuck, believe you me, that reticular activating system is going to make sure that it finds all the evidence in the world to prove to us that we are in fact correct we are stuck and if you want to do a little exercise on how the reticular activating system works it's very easy i mean who last saw a golf chico on the roads right so i was having this conversation with my son a few months ago and i said thinks those cars haven't been on the road for ages and he went no mom i see them and i went no man where well need i need i finish my sentence so now you know i programmed my brain that, okay, maybe there are these golfs on the road, and there they were. And that's very much the reticular activating system of the brain. So if we're constantly telling ourselves we're stuck, we're doomed, we can't get out, there is no way, well, I can assure you that the brain is going to be quite successful in proving this to us. Mm, I love that. Okay, so there comes the reframing and how we're thinking about things. Um, Vanessa, before I move over to Nikki again, um, an EFT tapping practitioner. Um, we've we've had um, discussions with people on the show before with regards to tapping. Just just tell us a little bit more about tapping and how you use it with your current as a neuro coach with the, with the work that you do. Sure. So next tapping is uh, obviously it's a modality that was combined with um, kinesiology, um, psychology, as well as acupuncture. So kind of East meets West by a wonderful man called Gary Craig, who wanted to give this modality free to the world. And in fact, you know, once you've learned to do it, you you use it. And I love it when my clients who are, you know, a lot of my clients are on maintenance. I don't believe in very long term, weekly or even monthly sessions will come and they'll say, you know, V, this and this happened, but you know what? I took five minutes. I went to sit in the bathroom and I tapped it out. So tapping I use as a basis for almost all the work I do because I find it accelerates the connections so much quicker because it activates the neural pathways or the, you know, which I believe are linked to the meridians. Um, things come up a lot quicker and I've actually tested it. I've worked in sessions with clients where I'm not tapping versus when I am tapping and the aha moments are far more frequent and um, much quicker when we're doing the tapping because we're hitting into these points as well as using the language of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And I use it very much for the exploratory work that I do. So I'm very much about working with core, finding cause, which then alleviates symptoms. You know, clients will pre, you know, present with symptoms, be it the being stuck, the anxiety, the frustration, the depression, whatever it may be. With the tapping, it is a really, really rapid way of getting to the root cause of what is really going on. And with that come a lot of other modalities that were attached to it. So it really is tapping on the meridians um, using a, a specific formula in the way we speak. And the results, I can tell you, I, I probably I started doing EFT in 2006 or seven, I think, and it's it still blows me away. Every day to see that, like, absolutely blows my mind. Wow. Are you going to be doing any EFT tapping or demonstrating at the workshop? Probably not, next, because it's quite a deep um, process. Um, and we don't know what it can bring up. 
if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. it's something that um, would require more time. Ha- absolutely have done it in groups before, um, but it would it re- would require a lot more time. And I don't want to take away from, you know, the other tools that we're going to give in terms of, you know, the awareness, the checks, the challenges we're going to give ourselves to start breaking out of this stuckness, if that makes sense. Yeah, thanks, Vanessa. Nikki, back to you. Um, listening to um, Vanessa and Vanessa bringing up this reframe and perspective, which is what you spoke about a mm-hmm. little bit earlier, and you were talking about how powerful mm-hmm. it is that when you're able to reframe something um, and you start to see it differently, so you have these new neural pathways and you can rewire your brain. And a lot of people are talking about this neuroplasticity, the ability to rewire the brain. Maybe you can just give an example to our audience um, how what that would look like. Um, so someone who is very stuck in a mindset of, um, I don't like the way I look. I can't look at myself <laughs> in the mirror. Um, I can't bear myself. And yet this idea of dieting or exercise is just too overwhelming for me. It's like, it's, it's something I can't even consider. How would one, yeah, how would one reframe something like that? Yeah, that's a big challenge. So when we've got, when we're dealing with something like body dysmorphia or low self-esteem and comparing yourself to other people on a constant basis, or if you don't have supportive people in your life who are badgering you about things and making you feel bad, and this is common. It's so, I find it really hard to accept that people in our lives, people, our family, our friends, uh, when they don't support you, when they're not, you know, encouraging. So there are a lot of people suffering in exactly what you've said. They can't look in the mirror. They find dieting too difficult because dieting is difficult. Let's face it. It's not pleasant. Mm. So what we've got to do in that sort of case is move away from the physical, move away from wanting to look good in the bikini, move away from looking in the mirror, move away from getting on the scale. So none of that, none of that, you know, judgment based metric for getting to where you want to be. And we've got to start breaking it down, breaking down steps. So we've got to look at, for example, um, let's look at making healthy changes for your long-term happiness, for your long-term longevity, for aging well, and try and find some other driver that would, you know, encourage a person to want to live better. And, you know, if we can break down these things, so whether it be exercise, eating better, getting more sleep, drinking more water, Um, cutting back on sugar, we can't do all of that at once, especially if you're feeling disempowered. So we've got to find one or two things that are easy for a person who's really battling um, to start with. And when you start achieving, you feel better about yourself. And when you start feeling better about yourself, that's when the brain starts to change. So we start seeing new possibility. And one thing that's really, really important and a big, big part of of how I coach my nutrition clients is to find support structures within their social lives. So having a social connection is for me, the most important part of longevity, aging well, staying healthy, uh, boosting your immune system and getting to where you want to be realistically. So without that, it's almost like operating in a void. It's very, it's almost impossible for a human being to do anything solo. So it's to accept the fact that we need people in our lives who hold us up. 
Uh, so when we talk about nutrition, most people don't expect that. They don't think we're going to go deeply into our social connections. But mm-hmm. this is where we eat. This is where we engage with people. This is what gives life meaning. And when we can start bolstering that, everything else is so much more simple because now you've got a reason. You've got a reason to take the steps. So it is a different approach, but it's really um, on the ground one of the most important things. And you know, there are going to be people listening to this going, well, that's me. I don't feel like I've got support in my life. Where could I even find it? And there are ways. So we've got to start with those basics. Wow, I think that's so powerful um, mm. because when you look at your health and you look at diet and exercise, it feels like it's such a solo journey, right? Like yeah. you are doing it and you've got to take it all on. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea that we are these social creatures and that mm-hmm. social connection is so important and that we don't live in isolation and that if we can, you know, find a group of people that are on a similar journey and they can support us. And as you say, the family who you're sitting down and eating with every day, I think that's so powerful. And I'm sure that maybe some people, Nikki, are listening who are thinking about what you mentioned a little bit earlier, the people who don't support them, the people who are watching them all the time, who are second guessing, who are kind of um, judging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, that's quite, it's quite an interesting way of looking at things is, yeah, these social connections. Yeah, in my experience, those people who I work with who really battle to succeed have got somebody, not themselves, it's somebody else in their lives who is tripping them up to an extent. And maybe that person doing the tripping up doesn't even know they're doing it. So to be able to identify where these blocks come in, who are the people in your life who are going to support you versus the people in your life who are not going to support you is an incredibly important first step. And what I'm hoping, you know, in a, in a workshop structure is that people meet people with the same issues. So you don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And it's really important. And you know, it's common that when we are battling with something, we feel like we're the only one. We feel like we can't talk about it. It's embarrassing. Um, you know, we're the only one suffering. And it's so not true. The minute you bring these, these issues into the light, so many people go, me too. Um, but I'll be there for you. So that networking and finding people who are understanding and non-judgmental is so important. And that goes for everything in life. And it's so true because we are so similar. While we're very unique and we have very different lives, we all really do suffer in the same way. We've got the same kind of thinking and um, limiting beliefs. And yeah, so when you're in this kind of a situation, you get to see that you're not alone and that is so powerful. And then you get to support and I do love that. So Mm -hmm. Vanessa, I'm going to bring you in here because you are, you really focus a lot on codependency. And I want to just unpack this codependency for a while. I mean, what Nikki was saying about the eating and these social connections, um, you know, there are some people who are in relationships and without realizing it, the relationship is kind of driving um, the way people are eating. And, and where does codependency fit into that? So we'll, we'll unpack that in a moment. We're going to take a, a quick break and we're going to be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 
Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Nikki Robertson and Vanessa Imbriolo on the show today. We're talking about how to get unstuck. Um, and uh, Nikki is the founder of the Reinvent Company. She's a author of the Reinvent Wellness Coaching Methodology. She also has a wonderful cookbook, but more than a cookbook. We've spoken to Nikki before about that. Um, but Nikki's a clinical nutritionist, a master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming and psychoneuroimmunology. Um, and it's, and so much more. And, um, Vanessa is an advanced EFT tapping practitioner, an advanced neuro coach and accredited addiction recovery specialist. And they've, um, yeah, come together and I'm part of it as well. And there's a great uh, workshop coming up on the 7th of July, all about how to get unstuck. And just before the break, Vanessa, I just started to talk about codependency and like this kind of relationship sometimes we have with people where we eat or we don't eat in a certain way. Whoa, not even to do with eating. Why do we choose the people we choose? What is it? What is this emotional connection? But let's just unpack, you know, what, what is codependency? So, Nix, before I go to that, I just want to mention, listening to Nikki, of course, how this is all just organically flowing so beautifully, talking about the connection with people, the social connection, you know, having people support you through this. Now, the opposite of addiction is connection. So, you know, there's there's no question about the fact that when we have these eating habits that are not serving us, um, I can tell you my drug of choice is very much food. So I have, you know, a very, very, um, what's the word, delicate um, relationship and a very mindful relationship with food. Um, so having said that, what lies at the base of all let's call it addictive behaviors um, or, or negative behaviors that really don't serve us is codependency. And what is codependency? Ultimately, it's it's a void. It's a hole that needs to be filled. It's a, a feeling of being, you know, not being seen unless somebody sees us. It's the need to be validated. It's the need to be needed. It's the need to be appreciated. And when we have this void, we will try and fill it in all sorts of ways. So, of course, food is one of the first, as, as Nikki has often spoken about, one of the first methods of inter, instant gratification that we experienced as children. Um, so that would obviously feed into that quite easily. Um, but codependency is also something that people are not actually that familiar with, that they don't realize. I have, again, many clients that will sit in you know my rooms and go, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize. I'm a codependent. And I always say, don't worry, 99.99% of us are. Just the degree of codependency obviously changes. And then we have to explore, are there other dependencies, other negative behaviors also known as addictions and where do they stem from? So codependency really is the, you know, the need to, to be seen. It's the need to, if you don't see me, I don't exist is very much, um, you know, the, the, the real layman way that I describe it. And it's also known, um, you know, in the, in the mental wellness field, a lot of people refer to it as um, self-love deficiency disorder, because essentially that is what it is. It's the deficiency of loving ourselves. And I can tell you when we do start to love ourselves and show up for ourselves and prioritize ourselves, 
things change in a huge way. And the best shift I had was, you know, through my own codependent journey was shifting from a place of desperately needing to be needed to actually being in a really comfortable place of enjoying being wanted. And I must tell you, being needed sometimes is a bit exhausting, you know, except for you know, the appropriate people in your life, like your children. You know, our children need us, obviously to a certain age. But I mean, that in itself, we can put so many questions out. I developed a 76 point questionnaire um, of codependent versus interdependent. And people are shocked when they realize, you know, why they stuck where they are because of these, these habits that they didn't even realize they were doing. So it sounds to me, Vanessa, that it's it's like you know, with all this this void, this hole that needs to be filled and be validated and everything else, it's this foundational belief that we're just not enough, or that there's there's perhaps something wrong with us. And are you saying then that you rely on other people or circumstances, things to fill us, and that we then get engaged in complicated relationships or interactions how, how does it play out in our life absolutely and nikki all of the above so so it does we you know we hand the power over to other people to make us happy you know we put our happiness in other people's hands and we will you know so codependence again please let's remember there's a varying degree of everything but mm-hmm. very often have little to no boundaries in place. There will be people that appease, people that accept things that they would never accept for the people they love, if that makes sense. And, you know, it does start to create unhealthy, toxic relationships. And sometimes they're not even unhealthy or toxic. They're just relationships that aren't going anywhere, that aren't serving anybody. Um, But again, it's kind of an uncomfortable comfort zone. People would rather stay there because it's safe and there's some degree of validation rather than, you know, exploring the the other side which which really you know takes a lot of courage it's scary the 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 unknown is scary um but absolutely this will play out in many ways addiction negative behaviors unhealthy relationships attracting the wrong people um and and really a, a stuck place i call it the uncomfortable comfort zone um because whilst it's uncomfortable it's still a comfort zone i love that <laughs> the uncomfortable comfort zone. Vanessa, how, so when someone talks about a codependent relationship, what do they mean by that? So let's first identify um, what the healthy aspect of codependency is, or rather dependency, um, the, the type of dependency, sorry, is interdependent. So a codependent relationship is again deriving your worth. So you are absolutely spot on. I mean, what is the reoccurring theme throughout the majority of codependence? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So it's deriving this worth from another person. And bearing in mind, codependency can ha- happen in any relationship. Um, next, it doesn't have to be just with your romantic partner. It can be with children, with bosses, with colleagues, with um, friends, with family members. Um, a lot of the time, people will only kind of have codependent relationships with one type of relationship, if you know what I mean, with the parents, not so much with their partner or with their partner, not so much with the parents or the friends. So it can play out in many ways. And depending on the degree, you know, a, a codependent um, 
can really manifest very toxic, unhealthy behaviors because of this desperate need to to see and be seen. It also feeds into, you know, the addiction of people talk about love addiction. I'm actually developing a workshop around um, addiction to emotions because it's not just the addiction to love. It's the addiction to intense emotions. People want to feel. And it seems as though even if it's a negative feeling, that least they're feeling. And sadly, the, the reward pathways and the pain pathways are the same. So, you know, it becomes quite, um, quite tricky for one to navigate if they don't have the understanding and the tools. Yeah. So this codependent versus the interdependent, um, and as you've said, and I suppose the fine line, if you are in a relationship with it, whether it is a romantic relationship, parent, child, friend, colleague, because in every relationship, there's a level of trust, there's a level of compassion, there's a level of understanding, of being willing to let go, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like this, you know, I, I love to kind of see it as a dance every now and then. And I, so I suppose the difference between, you know, giving yourself, you know, being vulnerable with another person and allowing that person to... I don't know, hold you in a certain way, but if you push it too far, then it would be seen as codependence. I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm expressing myself correctly, Vanessa. Is it, is it a very fine line? No, I don't think it's terribly fine. So next, let me give you an example. I'm just going to think of a couple of points at the top of my head. So in an independent relationship, for example, the codependent, oh, and I have to mention at this stage that where there's a codependent, it is guaranteed that there will be another codependent or a narcissist or an addict. That's a given. There's never a codependent with a fully healthy, um, aware person if that you know if that makes sense because Vanessa before you before you come up with your example we're going to take a quick break so right. gather the example and I'm going to chat to you just after the break Hi FM 101.9 megahertz of life Thank you so much for staying with us. We've got just a couple more minutes. Vanessa, just before the break, I interrupted. You were going to give me an example, um, and then we're going to be ending the show. So sorry to have interrupted you. No problem. Thank you. So next, I'm actually just going to read three that just pop up, um, which I think a lot of people can relate to. So in a codependent relationship, and this doesn't have to be romantic, for example, I would say you are jealous of the people in my life, so I exclude them. And a lot of people do this. Whilst in an interdependent relationship, it would be I have enriching relationships and I nurture them with or without you. So, again, the interdependent is happy with who they are, doesn't need the validation from the partner. The other example is you need to protect me from my insecurities. Huge one, you know, where the codependent and the codependent are continually having to pull each other out of, you know. And yes, sometimes um, acknowledgement is fine, Nikki. It's okay to acknowledge one's feelings, one's hurts and help them to work through. But when it's a constant thing um, that you're constantly having to buffer the person's insecurities by essentially saving them, rescuing them, it's not healthy. The interdependent would be, I feel safe safe and secure within myself and our relationship. Because if you're constantly insecure in a relationship, it probably means you shouldn't be in that relationship. You should be getting to a place of being more secure before, you know, possibly being in any relationship, if that makes sense. Um, and then a last one, which is a very typical one as well, is I'm overly protective of you at any cost versus I protect myself and I accept that I can't always protect you. 
Do these examples kind of give an idea? Absolutely. And there's another 73. <laughs> Well, Vanessa, I'm sure you're going to be unpacking all of that, um, or some of it, a lot um, of it in the yeah. workshop. Um, so, so, and I know that also you're going to go into why you get stuck, um, that you're in charge of your mental well-being. Very quickly before I cross to Nikki, is there anything you wanted to say before we say goodbye? No, just thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. I always feel if we've just touched one person's life to make the change, then our job here is done. So thank you. Thank you so much, Nix. Indeed, Vanessa. Thank you. And thanks so much for joining us. And Nikki, um, what are you going to very quickly, what are you going to be covering in the workshop? So basically, we're going to be looking at our thoughts and belief systems around being healthy and really just repacking that or re unpacking it. And restructuring that so that you can walk away from this workshop with a completely reformatted idea of what it's going to take for you to be as healthy as you can be and live your best life. Amazing. Nikki, Vanessa, thank you so, so much for joining us. I am looking so forward to being a part of the workshop on the 7th of July from 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock. Um, yeah, and I'm also going to be looking at incredibly powerful tools about these patterns that we have and using self-inquiry and a whole lot of other tools to get unstuck. Um, Nikki, how, if people want to book, I know that there's an early bird special. The early bird special ends tomorrow. How do people get hold of tickets? Okay, so we are live on web tickets. You can log on to web tickets and look for Unstuck and the booking link will come up. Uh, you can also buy tickets at any pick and pay and you can WhatsApp us on 072-528-6106 and that will bounce you right through to the booking site. So it's live and yeah, it's yeah, the early bird special does end um, tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. Nikki, Vanessa, thank you for joining us. It's been such a pleasure having you both on the show. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Ciao, ciao. And I hope that you, yeah, I hope you gain something. Um, this idea of being stuck. I asked the question right at the beginning. What does it mean? And the wonderful thing is the realization that you don't have to stay that way. I mean, both Nikki and Vanessa spoke about this reframing, changing your perspective. It's changing the way you think and feel about something. Then all of a sudden space arrives, right? And there's possibility and you can move forward. Well, if you want to attend the uh, getting Stuck workshop, which is taking place on the 7th of July from 9 till 1, and you want to get the early bird special, then just send that uh, WhatsApp 072-528-6106. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, do take care and goodbye.